This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So I want to talk about raising our vibration through prayer. And the reality is we have already prayed a lot this morning. And not just the beautiful prayer that Kevin led us in. So I'm going to talk about that later, but I want to put it in the context of a history of prayer. Because the way that prayer has evolved in our cultural evolution is important in how we understand it today. So if you go way back to the time of cave people, there was always a sense of prayer. There was a sense of mystery. There was so much in life that they did not understand. Now that hasn't changed. There's still a lot (laughs) that we don't understand, but maybe some of the things that they didn't understand, we now understand. But as they, as they looked at that, there always has to be this, how do you relate to that great mystery that's out there? And that relating, however you do it, is prayer. But because there was so much that they didn't understand how it worked, they were trying to get some sense of control in their lives. So lightning comes and strikes, or or wild animals come and leap, or things like that happen that they don't understand, and they don't feel safe. And so the, the initial attempt with prayer was to appease. There's something out there more powerful, whatever they called it. And whatever that is that's creating these lightning bolts and so forth, we want to make sure that that is happy. Because if that is happy with us, then we'll be okay. That's the motivation. And so how do we make that thing happy? Because we don't know what that is. We just know it's got some power. And we want it on our side. And so this evolves into practices like human sacrifice, animal sacrifice. We've all heard of that. It's not a part of our contemporary world, but it's not that old. If you think about the Bible, the Bible is not full of human sacrifice, you know, if you discount God sending hordes to kill you know, but just the literal human sacrifice. But that Abraham, who's considered the father of the Hebrew people, that story, do you remember the story about how he is taking his son Isaac up the mountain to make a sacrifice of him? And at the last minute, God has a lamb in the bushes for him to sacrifice instead. But before he finds the lamb, he has made the altar and he is prepared 
to do the very difficult thing of sacrificing his son. The Bible goes back several thousand years, but in the context of history and how long humans have been around, that's a drop in the bucket. Human sacrifice was a real possibility for him, even though he didn't do that. And it was a turning point, evolutionary-wise, in the culture, because then the Hebrew people, that wasn't part of their culture from that point on. Now, was that a point, really literally, that happened? Who knows? It's a story. But it's describing a change in the culture where human sacrifice is no longer going to be a thing. Animal sacrifice, however, continued to be a thing. Even in the time of Jesus, which is only 2,000 years ago, there was plenty of animal sacrifice going on in the temples. Why? Because there was some idea the concept of the divine, that great mystery, was that if you killed something, something that had value to you, that this great mystery would be happy. Now, that certainly begs the question of what did they think that great mystery was, that you would need killing to make you happy? It's, it's really a barbarous idea. But if you put it in the context of the evolving of humanity from a place where they didn't understand, there were forces that were frightening. And they were trying to find a way to make sense of it. So they begin with just there must be a way to appease this power and get on the good side. Another evolutionary step was instead of all of us needing to appease, as populations grew, specialties began. So like when Raj was talking about his medical career, he was an anesthesiologist which is different than what he started out to be, which was a pediatrician. They're different specialties. And so the specialty of praying evolved. And so there was a certain tribe of people or a certain person within the tribe whose job it was to pray. Even here, you might have the idea that it's my job to do the praying or it's the job of the prayer team. And the prayer team has actually been trained in praying. And yes, we all do that job of praying. But the thing about prayer is that it's not one person's job. It's not actually something that someone else can do for you. Each one of us has to learn how to pray. But in the evolution of the history, that consciousness wasn't there yet. And so it became the job of certain people. And so you would go to those people. So just like Raj was talking about how he would try to bribe God directly, all right, get me into medical school and I'll give you a thousand bucks. And 
instead of that, they would go and pay the priest, and then it was the priest's job to bribe God or whatever, you know, maybe a tenth. You know, the whole concept of tithing, okay, that, you know, that doesn't sit quite well with us. Even though it's a powerful spiritual practice to give a portion of what comes in and go out, it's, it's really powerful. But the tithing thing, it's just, there's something about that word. And it's because it started as taxation. It started out as a tax. If you, if you want to be part of this, you're going to pay a tithe to the priest who will then go and lay your prayers before God. Because that's the official route and, and so because that consciousness is there, when we want something in prayer, we often don't feel auth- authorized to get it. So it's important to understand that. That's not truth, and it's not the way that unity does it, but it's how we have all evolved. So there's appeasing, there's interceding, there's outright bribing. Because, let's face it, there's all this stuff that we want in our worlds, whether it's health or a new car. You know, Janis Joplin's famous song, Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all have Porsches. I must make amends. (laughs) (coughs) Thank you. (laughs) We, We all have what appears to be out there and we want it, and we try to figure out how to get it. You remember the story of Alibaba, and he finds the magic lamp, or El- I guess it's Aladdin, I'm mixing up my stories, but he finds the magic lamp, and if you just rub this lamp, then you're gonna be able to get whatever you want. That's a story that lives in our consciousness that if only we can find the version of the magic lamp, if we can just say the right thing, if we can just do the right thing, then we can get whatever it is we want. I remember when my daughter was four, she had just learned how to snap her fingers, and she said, Mom, wouldn't it be great if all you had to do was snap your fingers and you could get whatever you wanted? And she says, the only problem is some people can't snap. (laughs) So we move along, and the unity way of prayer, which evolutionary-wise we finally come to, and, and part of it is maybe it's, I think with the new science and the, the quantum world, it all makes a lot more sense than it do, did when it first came into, into fashion with unity and, and some of the other traditions that were out there. But it's a reality that there's no out there. So whatever it is that we think we want, whether it's health or stuff or a partner, that idea that it's out there somewhere, and we have to get it from out there somehow in here, is not true. What we see out there is a projection of what is in here. So if we're looking out there and we're seeing, for example, wealth, 
oh, look at all those people, they have so much. It is a projection of what is in here. If it weren't in here, we could not see it. And actually, the science of eyesight is that something's out there, it comes through here, it goes to our brain, and then we see it. So there's nothing out there that doesn't involve in here, even in the mechanical world of our bodies. But in, in the metaphysical world, there's nothing out there. And so what prayer ends up being is alignment. We align ourselves with that great mystery. We align ourselves with whatever it is that's out there. So if we want health, we want love, we want wealth, any of that, it's the source is here. It's not outside of us. And so as we go into alignment with that, that's, and, and we begin to resonate with it, then we can create it from within. There's a beautiful passage, and I've been reading a lot from The Power Within, which is the same author as the book that Raj is using in his class. And it says, God doesn't have what you want or need. Take that in for a minute. God doesn't have it. God is the substance of that need. You don't have to ask God for life. For God is life. And you are the projection of that life into visibility. The key to healing is to lift up your thought to the consciousness of the wholeness of life in you. You need not ask for it. God is that wholeness, but you must accept it into your mind, which has been seeing in part. You don't have to ask God for wisdom, for God is wisdom. Your mind is an activity of the infinite mind of God. If there is any break in the flow of inspiration of the Almighty in you, that break is in you, not in God. Your need is to reestablish yourself in the consciousness of the all-knowing mind of God in you. How do you ask the sun for sunlight? By getting out in the sun. How do you ask electricity for light for your lamp? By turning on the switch. How do you ask God for what you want? By getting into the spirit. It is not something that God must do for you. It is what you must do for yourself to enable God to do for you that which is his ceaseless longing to do. Pardon the God 
concept out there. I hate using that word, but the concept, the concept of this divinity, which comes from inside of us. That's what we have to line up with. And as we align with that, then we are able to create what we want. There's this concept that in Butterworth's Universe's Calling book he talks about, which is the swarm. So think about when you see geese up in the air and they're going all, and then they just You know, or you see bees and the bees are They're moving all together. How do they do that? It's because there's a consciousness of the group. And they somehow are so tuned into each other that they're able to make these moves and change things without having to talk about it. So when we pray together, we create a swarm mentality. And that's something because it isn't, it isn't our animal nature. We have too much going on mentally that takes us and allows us to create separation. But there is in us an energy that is able to swarm if we practice. So when you have a prayer partner, that's where you begin. You get into alignment with one person as a prayer partner. How many of you have a prayer partner that you've been working with for a while? I know that some people in this room have. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. But the prayer partner, as, as I'm talking about it here, is someone that you contact every day and you, pr- you hold in prayer together, whatever it is for yourself. It could be something more general like peace or it could be something specific. I'm going for that interview and I want to get that job. Whatever it is, being in that union with a prayer partner creates a powerful, powerful energy. And my goal would be everybody, everybody in our community, whether you're somewhere in the ethers online, wherever you are watching from, wherever, whether you're in this room, everybody has a prayer partner. Because there are times that it's not such a big deal. You know, it feels nice. You pray with the other person. And then there are other times when it's so critical. Something happens, and it makes, it makes all the difference that you had that person. And whichever it is, you're putting positive energy into your life, into the other person's life, and into the world. So that's something that if you decide to take Raja's class, you'll get a prayer partner. That's, that's a way to do that. But, but we want to do that. We want to be a swarm. We want to be a force in this world. And that's a technology for doing it. When I said earlier, we have been praying in lots of ways today, what Kevin led us in is more of the formal prayer like you would do. But when Johanna was leading us in song, didn't you feel aligned with the life inside of you? 
You know, you, you couldn't listen to that song and not be moving your body because it's an energy. You, you're feeling the divine in you. When Lisa was playing those amazing bowls, didn't you feel the alignment? When we were celebrating and people were raising their hands and were, were cheering them on, we're creating an alignment. Every time we open our mouth to sing or praise or cheer, we're, we're coming into alignment with the truth of who we are. So this whole service, even though it has different expressions of the, en- of the energy, it's all about prayer. We come in here to get back into alignment with who we are so that when we go forth from here, we are just vibrating and radiating that out into the world because that's how we make the world a better place. So I'm inviting all of you to commit to find a way to make prayer more a part of your life, that alignment. It just starts with a simple breath and move in to who you are. Namaste.